Hello and welcome to episode 112 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is October 1st, 2018. I am Rollo McFlugel and with me is Slappy Jones 2 and we are both at McFlugel.com. Show notes page for this episode will be McFlugel.com slash 112. You'll be able to find things that we talk about as well as how to find our guest. And before we introduce him, just a quick uh, shout out to LibertyMugs.com where we, uh, we sell libertarian-themed mugs. So go over there and check that out. So without any more delay, let's send it over to Slappy, and he's going to introduce our guest and our topic. Thanks, Rallo. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Rallo and Slappy show. I'm Slappy Jones. Today we have a guest. Well, first off, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Bitcoin maximization, or maximalists uh, always throw those terms around. And I think they mean different things to different people. So we kind of explained what we think. And we threw out a challenge out there to say, if someone disagrees, please come on and talk. We'd love, we'd love to hear another side. It seems like all the talk in this space is very loaded and a lot of personal attacks and stuff. And, and we, you know, we kind of tried to avoid that here. And our friend Melissa at NotM3G on Twitter uh, introduced us to Chris Pacia. He's a Backend developer of Open Bazaar. He is a real whiz on crypto, Bitcoin, blockchain, etc. And he disagrees. I, I don't want to speak for him, but as I know, disagrees with um, Bitcoin maximizing, maximalization, whatever. So anyway, Chris, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming. Uh, we really appreciate your time tonight. So let's get into it. Um, Rallo. Do you want to explain in like one or two minutes, just kind of recap our episode from a couple of weeks ago and state your case for uh, for Bitcoin? Sure. So uh, kind of the nutshell is that the purpose of all of this is we're looking for government hard money, something we're trying to get away from this central banking system with the Federal Reserve and, and all that uh, stuff that causes so many problems in the world. Um, so Bitcoin represents an opportunity to do that. And so, uh, given that, you know, as a maximalist, I think that's, it's the best cryptocurrency out there for a number of reasons. Um, it's, I think it's got a good monetary policy and also the security of the network, uh, is the strongest that there is. Um, and so because of those reasons, it has the best chance of being money. Um, and there can only be one money. And so... Uh, we should be kind of porting and, and, and putting our backing behind what has the best chance. And right now that's Bitcoin. So um, that's where kind of the focus should be. That's where the development should be. That's where the uh, putting the security, the hash power for the network should be. Um, I think that's a, I think most maximalists would more or less agree with that. Um, so Chris, uh, Kind of tell us where you where you fall, if you think that we're completely wrong or got something right or a little bit wrong. Yeah, well, oddly enough, um, I uh, I probably don't disagree with anything you just said there. So I don't know, maybe we could just end the show now. <laughs> oh, thanks for coming, man. We appreciate it. <laughs> but no, um, but in, in general, I think that that's a reasonable way of putting it. That you know, Bitcoin has the best chance of. Of every uh, of all the cryptocurrencies out there, and and you're right, it does have the most hashing power and the most security and that sort of stuff. And and I agree with with what you said about us wanting you know hard money and that sort of thing. I think where I kind of see Bitcoin maximalists kind of 
diverging from how you described it is I, I, there's and I, I there's a much more kind of militant wing of uh, of the maximalist group, which I, I almost is kind of what I I sort of associate with maximalism, where it's kind of you know the everything but Bitcoin is a scam type crowd. Um, it, it's um, what else is it? Uh, like Bitcoin is the only one that has any chance of, of surviving long term. I think the way that you put it is a good uh, a good way of phrasing it is that Bitcoin has the best chance. Um, but the the kind of maximalist viewpoint, the way I see it, is that nothing else has any chance at all. That there's like zero chance for everything else. Um, and I you know I certainly don't agree with that. Even if you kind of look at the markets, I think that even Bitcoin. I think just technically speaking might be a little bit overvalued relative to other coins in my opinion. But, um, but even if you just kind of look at where the market is today, Bitcoin has about 50% market cap relative to all the other coins suggesting that, you know, maybe investors are giving it like a 50, 50 chance of being like the coin or the big one, you know, long-term, which is fairly reasonable. I'd say that that's kind of a, a reasonable way of looking at it, but, um, you know, the Bitcoin maximalist view, I think, would say that Bitcoin's undervalued, that it should have 100% market cap because everything else is basically like scam and couldn't possibly, you know, have any value long term or couldn't possibly challenge Bitcoin long term. And <clears throat> that's the probably the bigger part that I disagree with. Yeah. And, and to throw you some red meat on this, I actually do kind of feel that way, too. Um, I just it, it's when you call it when you just go out and say, because Slappy and I have, have talked kind of at length about this when you just say, well, everything else is a scam. Um, yeah, that it annoys does, the hell out of me. Yeah, it, it doesn't come come out very well. So I think a better way, and, and even this is contentious, is to call everything else kind of an attack on Bitcoin. And I don't mean that to be yeah. like... Yeah, because uh, yeah, we uh, yeah. discussion on this too. Yeah, um, and that sounds harsh. Um, and I don't know if it should or shouldn't be, but... Um, I guess what so, that, yeah, explain real quick why you would call it that. Sure. Uh, I'm sure it's nothing Chris hasn't heard before, yeah. but just put it in your words. I want to see uh, what he would respond to that. Yeah. So I don't mean an attack is something is necessarily that's, you know, has to be this malicious thing like, uh, um, you know, I'm trying to take down Bitcoin. You could have good intentions, but be doing something that's a negative thing. Like how I said that uh, there's only going to be one money at, you know, because they're can only be uh, one money, uh, at least geographically, if not uh, globally, um, that if you uh, create an altcoin and you're saying that, uh, oh, I don't want to necessarily compete with Bitcoin, um, I want to be a competing money, uh, like or, or even like Litecoin, how they kind of say they want to be the silver to Bitcoin's gold. Uh, that represents an, a, an attack because not necessarily because they're trying to destroy Bitcoin, but they're preventing it from becoming money uh, more quickly than it than it would otherwise. And uh, the sooner we get sound government hard money, uh, the better the world will be. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily disagree. I, I think my <clears throat> what I would say, you know, I, I do work on. Um, uh, I, I guess primarily in my spare time, the main one that I work on is Bitcoin Cash. And I would say what my motivations for that is, I mean, I, I certainly don't want to hold up, you know, like monetization of cryptocurrency and that sort of thing. But 
Um, for me, it's kind of more about making sure we have the right foundation underneath of us, um, you know, for when we get to the point where it's going to start growing big. And, and that's kind of why I work on it. Um, I, I, you know, so I, in that sense, I don't know, I still feel like it's kind of early that, that I don't know if I would be at this point saying that Bitcoin or even Bitcoin Cash, I'm more than willing to say Bitcoin Cash might be a total flop as well. Uh, you know, it could be some something else that hasn't been invented yet that ends up being like the one that has all the properties that we want it to have. Because uh, where where things stand today, I mean, most cryptocurrencies, certainly Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash included, there's a lot of, of properties that it, we'd like it to have, but it doesn't have, right? So, you know, privacy being being mm -hmm. a big one. Um, uh, scalability, right? I, I know there's there's a big debate between kind of on-chain, off-chain scalability, but you know you could have technical innovations that come along that just kind of render like the Lightning Network, for example, completely obsolete if someone were to get something like zk snarks working on or recursive snarks working on a blockchain um, uh, for validating blocks. Something like that could just completely you know make the existing technology obsolete. So I, I don't know if I'm willing to say like this is this is it like this is the the technology that's going to stand the test of time that you know there there may be other stuff that come along and i probably won't say that until we get in a bunch of these areas scalability privacy um uh, you know proof of work might be another one um you know the issues surrounding energy consumption until we get things like this completely solved and working really really well i'm probably still going to always hold the view that there might be something better coming along down the road Oh yeah, and I yeah I I don't want it to mean that you know I especially you know I'm not really that technical with it that I I have the hubris to say that there absolutely will be nothing nothing else. Um, but what would you say? Because I guess the the main response from the maximalist response to that would be okay. Well, yeah, there is definitely going to be advancements, innovations, and everything. Um, and I, I mean, I don't believe that the Lightning Network is the the end all be all. It might be, but you know, like you said, it's that the space is so young and new, and there's so much going on. Who knows what's going to come out, you know, in six months? Mm -hmm. um, so, what would you say that? Okay, well, there with with these innovations coming on, um, why not just apply that those innovations to the uh, to the most secure network or um, you know, it's all well and good if this if Coin XYZ comes up with this with the solution, but Bitcoin's just going to kind of take it anyway. Uh, so why why do that extra step of of programming it on a different coin? Yeah, so that um, that was more or less my view. I held up through maybe a couple years ago. So if you asked me, um, certainly when I kind of was first getting in into Bitcoin and and even up through just the last few years why I would think that there was other coins had like a, a slim chance of like passing Bitcoin and kind of taking it over. It's because it's, it's all open source, right? The other coins are open source. Bitcoin's open source that if, if something proves to work well, that Bitcoin could conceivably just kind of incorporate that, um, that change or that uh, upgrade into its own system. And then you have the question, like, why would anyone use the other one when, you know, the coin that has all the, the market share and the network effect and everything has the same, you know, the same feature as well. And so when people would tell me, um, uh, you know, that, you know, 
Bitcoin's going to be like the MySpace of cryptocurrency, you know, that would be my response. Like that it's, it's, you know, they can just hold in any of these changes. But I think what really kind of changed for me was I really started questioning whether that's, that's true. And we saw um, the Bitcoin community took a really hard turn um, starting around... Um, I don't, well, I mean, really starting as early as maybe like 2015, but going, I'd say certainly picked up big time last year with the debate and in 2016 with this whole scaling debate where um, it, it, some, some part of the Bitcoin community started saying, no, that the protocol needs to be completely locked in and never change. And that, uh, you know, and, and like I have this slide I'm, I'm looking at from Giacomo's presentation he gave recently where he says, um, any attempt to change Bitcoin is a scam, right? So, like, they, they really dug in deep, and the community did, or at least a part of the community, dug in deep saying Bitcoin must never, ever be changed, that it's basically 2009 tech forever, that Bitcoin was essentially perfect when it came out in 2009, maybe minus SegWit. And then, um, you know, and now it's it's, we should never be changing it. And so we saw, now, on one hand, you want something to be there's there's an antagonism here because you don't want money to be relatively easy to change but on the flip side we're dealing with technology in a space where things change rapidly like very fast and so you, you don't want something to be completely rigid that it can't change at all but you also don't want it to be able to be changed you know at, at people's whims um, but it seems kind of like a lot of people in the bitcoin community went with the well it must never ever change philosophy and this was the narrative that was kind of pushed by the core developers it was pushed by their supporters and they drove out a lot of people from the community like myself who think that hey there's some properties of bitcoin that we would like to see change not like for example not the 21 coin limit or this sort of stuff but there are like block size limit and other scalability pro uh, properties related to scalability and stuff um and so it became it became apparent that it was not changing, right? And it was like, it was like hardened and resistant to change. And I remember, um, you know, them calling us like when, when we're working on like SegWit 2X, like we're like, a, it's a corporate takeover of Bitcoin, right? And this sort of stuff was kind of the narrative that was put. It wasn't a corporate takeover, but, um, but it was like just these kind of narratives that were sort of pushed out there. And it just makes, it, it really sort of makes me think, well, you know, maybe my Bitcoin could be the MySpace of cryptocurrency, right? If maybe some other one comes along and that has better features and then Bitcoin, you know, the community is convinced that it was more or less perfect in 2009 and that any attempt to change Bitcoin is a scam. And so it just never incorporates those new features and gets passed up because of that. Now, I don't... Um, I don't know if that's uh, that hasn't really been tested, right? Because we haven't really seen any other cryptocurrencies come out with like features that just blow Bitcoin out of the water. But I mean, that that really makes me skeptical of, of my initial claim that Bitcoin could just incorporate these new features into it. Gotcha. I, so I guess that leads to the uh, the the hard fork versus the soft fork question. So what kind of what what's your appetite for for hard forking like? Um, I don't know if that's um, too broad of a question, but no. It, so, I th I think you know my view, and I think the view of many other developers of uh, on many pretty much every other cryptocurrency besides Bitcoin is that you're going to have to do hard forks from time to time, 
um, to, to upgrade the software, to keep it relevant, that sort of stuff. Um, I do think it's probably best to try and get the hard forks out of the way early while, you know, it's still relatively small. Um, and because it's going to be, you know, the bigger things get, the harder it comes to do these type of hard forks. And you certainly don't want to be at like global scale and then trying to do some kind of controversial, you know, hard fork or something like that. So I think you kind of, I, you know, there's, there's that, again, it goes back, there's this trade-off between the desire to want to like make it so it's really difficult to change and then desire to want to make it so that you can get in the changes necessary so that you can get it to the point where you want it to be. So I know in Bitcoin Cash, the developers have been doing um, semi-annual um, hard forks like every six months, which is a really aggressive schedule. Um, <clears throat> and it hasn't exactly been without controversy, right? There's in fact, you know, coming up with this November hard fork, there's, there's a massive amount of controversy surrounding it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, I think that's really unfortunate um, that that's the negative or the downside of it. The positive side of it is we have been able to make some changes to Bitcoin Cash that I think have been beneficial. And, um, you know, if we can, at some point, we're going to have to, like, cut down on the number of hard forks and, and how we do them and the frequency and come up with some some kind of better process. But I think the thinking has been up to this point is it's still relatively small, certainly small compared to Bitcoin proper. And, you know, might as well kind of get the, the hard stuff out of the way as early as possible. Okay. What would you say to saying that uh, even, you know, doing the hard forks, um, you know, obviously, if it means that the network is just going to die, you know, I think it's, it, I ho would hope it would be fairly uncontroversial to, to do a hard fork to fix it in that situation. Yeah. But um, for, for the less... Uh, less, you know, terrible consequence situations. Uh, do you think that having, uh, you know, even really any sort of, of appetite for hard forking disincentivizes uh, coming up with solutions other ways that might be better in the long term? Because with the, I mean, hard forks come with, with some risk, um, even, you know, even not assuming that anyone's trying to do anything nefarious, just you know, as we saw with uh, this recent Bitcoin inflation bug, that sometimes people just screw up and then yeah. someone doesn't catch it. Um, so given that risk there, uh, you know, does, does it, is it causing more harm than good in the long run to, to well, have the hard forks as opposed to figuring out ways to soft fork and, and just having other solutions? Well, I mean, as it relates to the block size, so one of the arguments was, was made is that like if you don't, increase the block size, this will incentivize people to come up with alternatives. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I fully kind of agree with that because, I mean, certainly there's incentives to like write and code the alternatives. I think there's, if let's say we just increase the block size and to, I don't know, two megabytes or eight megabytes or something like that on the Bitcoin network, probably far fewer people would have been willing to work on the Lightning network. Now, with that being said, things like, the lightning network i think we can gauge how well they're likely to succeed you know in advance so it's not <clears throat> i so in other words like i don't the ideas don't really need a whole lot of incentivizing right it's the what the incentive is to do the hard work to write the code but just come kind of thinking about it and putting out the ideas that you know that comes out 
um, we're getting, you know, ideas coming out pretty heavily. And I'm not sure that, you know, in the case of, of let's say, you know, if, if we had, for example, an eight megabyte block size, I'm pretty sure like the Lightning Network paper would still have been published, right? I don't think that that only happened because, uh, that, that the publishing only happened because we had a, a one megabyte limit at the time. Um, and right. I think the same thing I would say would, with any other potential scaling technologies is, I think at least from a research perspective, I don't think we're disincentivizing the research. We might be disincentivizing some of the coding on it, but, uh, but I think whether or not that's bad depends on, I guess, the strength of the particular solution that you're trying to incentivize, mm -hmm. you know, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. 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 That, that, I think that makes Makes good sense. So uh, a couple questions I have, and I, I think I kind of know the answers to this. I think you kind of uh, uh, alluded to it a little bit, but just, just so we can ask, because I think it's, uh, I guess I don't want it to seem like, especially talking to you so far, that it's not just, uh, it's, it's either Bitcoin all or nothing, or, you know, let's have 8 billion uh, altcoins out there. So what are your thoughts on like the, uh, the kind of the slogans like tokenize the world or uh, blockchains, not Bitcoin. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm the use case that I'm most interested in is money. Um, I mean, there are a couple other interesting potential use cases. I don't know, maybe like DNS or some of the smart contract type stuff. But um, I, I'm not sure that the that the the blockchain based solution for these things is like. 10 times better than what we currently have, right? Like the DNS system is not great, but it's, I'm not sure that blockchain based DNS would be 10 times better. You know, it might be, you know, one, one X better, two X better, you know? Um, so I, I'm mostly kind of interested in like the, in the money aspect of it. And I don't know the the whole token stuff is, you know, it's not, it's not as much up my alley. I do pay a little bit of attention to it in case there's you know some interesting stuff coming out of it. But um, but as of as of yet, it's you know we haven't seen any of these other use cases go off either, right? Right. Um, Ethereum's been out for quite a while, and the most popular thing built with it so far is the CryptoKitty stuff, right? <laughs> and um, so yeah, we haven't exactly seen any of these use cases blowing up. Um, I mean, for that for the for that purpose, you know, the use case of money hasn't blown up either, but I, I'm kind of more ideologically motivated to see money happen, you know, more so than, than some of this other stuff. Yeah. So that's, I think that's a good place to pivot to kind of something a little bit different. Uh, you wrote, uh, how long ago was that? Oh, it was four months ago. Um, you wrote a response to a Jimmy song piece, uh, about crypto Austrians and crypto Keynesians. Um, <laughs> You know, as I as I said to you in the in the chat, I don't want to throw around you know those names with that. Um, but uh, so, but you wrote you wrote about some some ideas about how money comes about in that in that piece in that response. Um, so, can you kind of go through how you think that um, whether it's Bitcoin or whatever whatever cryptocurrency does end up becoming the money, kind of the steps that it has to go through. Um, well, I, you know, I, I think we, we want to see it in, get increased usage as a medium of exchange. And I think where I'm, 
I can gather my thoughts on this. It, it, one of the issues I have with the store of value kind of um, meme is that, how do I want to phrase it? Um, like what people are referring to store as store of value, I see as kind of a form of speculation. Okay, that, you know, Bitcoin today does not make a very good store of value, right? It has these wild swings in value. It could, you know, lose a bunch of your, your value overnight. You know, if you invested in December of last year, you've lost a ton of, a ton of value so far, um, so far this year. So it, at this point in time, it's not a particularly good store of value. And so what people are speculating in is that at, at some point in the future, Bitcoin is going to have more usage, okay? And to me, if that usage never materializes, the, the current value is going to go way down. Um, because the, to me, the value is based on that, or at least the way I see it, it's, it's the speculation is we're speculating about future usage. Uh, and future usage as presumably as a medium of exchange or for anything that any kind of reason people would have to demand um, Bitcoin. And if you take away that, that utility aspect of it, if you say like, okay, Bitcoin's just going to be, the usage is going to be store of value. Um, to me, that kind of starts to get into a little bit like Ponzi territory where you're, you're saying the, the people who invested in Bitcoin today, the only way they can earn a return on their investment is if they attract even more investors into Bitcoin in the future. And the only way those future investors can earn a return on their investment is if they can attract even more investors into it in the future. And so you just need this like perpetual increase in the number of speculators in order to sustain the value. So at the end of the day, you know, to me, Bitcoin, the, in order for the asset to sustain its value, it needs to have utility. And the, ultimately, the speculation needs to be rooted in speculation about utility, not speculation about future speculation. And I kind of took offense to Jimmy Song with the, I mean, he, he's kind of saying that people who, um, you know, value, you know, want to see Bitcoin used as a medium of exchange, he's kind of equating us to like Keynesians who want um, spending, right? And that's not what I'm, I'm, we're arguing at all. It's that we're saying that the asset needs to have utility and needs to be demanded for the utility that it provides in order to sustain its value and to have an asset where it's it's only speculation and not utility um, is kind of like a, a bubble waiting to burst, as it seems to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so let me figure out. Sorry. My, uh, I have a cat that every episode now likes to come up and chew on the wire. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to block him right now. Uh, so, okay. In that kind of vein. So if, uh, I'm sorry, I lost. Thanks a lot, Karam. Uh, well, I'm, I'm talking about having utility in the coin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Utility. Yeah. So that there is a reason to um, want want to use it, want to buy it. Yeah, that's that's where I wanted to go. With. Thanks. Um, so if oh, this escaped me again, so this is terrible. Uh, but uh. What what incentivizes someone um, to get rid of well, not get rid of it but but to spend it? You know, I under, I understand. I think I understand what you're what you're what you're saying is you want to 
have the use case of being used as a medium of exchange so that, um, you know, For it, example, it brings up. Yeah. I mean, if, if I know I can go use Bitcoin to buy coffee, I might, you know, I would want to get more of it because I can spend it. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that like, at the end of the day, you don't want the only the only place that demand is coming from being from speculators, because to sustain that, you need a perpetual increase in speculators to drive up the price. Um, so, but what you can have, like if you take, um, I don't know, let, let's say barrels of oil, right? The re barrels of oil, the vast majority of the demand for oil comes from people who are buying it to use it, right? Um, that they have a demand and a need for oil and they're buying it and they're, they're using it. Now, separately to that demand from the users, there is a group of speculators who might say, hey, I think a barrel of oil is going to be 10% higher next year. And so it makes sense for me to, you know, buy the oil, put it in storage. And then, you know, a year later, if it, if it is 10% higher, I can take it out of storage and sell it. But the person you're selling it to is someone who wants to use it, right? I mean, you might in practice, you could be selling to another speculator. But the point is, you can't, if it was only speculators, the, the, that wouldn't be sustainable, right? Like, imagine that some substitute for oil came, came about that made oil as an energy source obsolete. Um, it wouldn't be the case that you could just take your barrel of oil out of, that you've been hobbling and take it out of storage and just sell it and continue selling it, right? Because people would have no longer have a need for oil because they're not using it for anything. So you, the only person you could try and sell it to would be another speculator, but what's he speculating about, right? The, the market for oil has gone away, so why, why would anyone you know, continue to speculate and pay a big price for that barrel of oil? So the, there needs to be some kind of end-user demand um, for asset. Gold, I think, is, is somewhat the same way um, you know, if, if, to justify that, that kind of speculation, I think is my point. Okay. Um, so when it's, I, I, I guess the, the comeback would be that, um, I mean, the speculation is that, that someone's going it, to, that it's going to be money and that it's going to replace, um, all other money or, or whatever. So, yeah, and I don't, I, yeah, I don't want to say that I think that Bitcoin is purely speculation today, but right, right, right. The, the point I think that Jimmy was, you know, they're arguing about is that people who, Again, this kind of goes back into like this maximalist view that like Bitcoin, the, what you what do you do with Bitcoin? You hodl it, right, or hold it, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it. Um, and, and that's kind of like the primary use case that they're pushing. In fact, you know, it was in on that same slide that Giacomo had uh, that says, you know, any attempt to try and get people to spend Bitcoin is a scam, right? So it's this notion that that you know Bitcoin's for for hodling, and and that's it. And to me, that doesn't strike me as a sustainable uh, way to build value. Right. So if, if it is expected, I mean, because regardless of what coin it is and or have the expectation or speculating that it is going to be money, um, that means it's going to be, well, presumably would be, uh, you know, way more valuable at that point than it is today. So, um, how do you convince people well, I guess there's two sides of it. There's the convincing people to who think that to say that it's better to um, spend it and not have that uh, future value, and then also for people to accept it because it isn't that great of a store of value yet. Yeah. Um, 
So you said, like, how, how do you convince people to spend something that's like going up in value? They feel? Well, it's it's the expectation. I mean, they're specu- if it's if they're speculating that it's going to be money eventually, um, yeah. that it's going to. I mean, the the price today might jump up to you know fifty thousand dollars and drop down to three thousand dollars a year later. But the expectation is eventually uh, it would be money, and so yeah. whatever it's doing yeah. in in the noise right now is not going to matter. Yeah. So. To, to the extent that, um, you know, I, I'm not saying that people who are holding Bitcoin today are, are, are doing the wrong thing. But what you're kind of alluding to is, that, you know, at some point, if it's money in the future, presumably people are trading it at some point in the future. Right. Right. I'm not sure that like from what I get from people like Jimmy Song and, and, and Giacomo and, and other maximalists is almost like they almost don't envision a future where people are actually <laughs> spending it. Right. It's the, the future is, is more, more hodling, more hodling. And the, you know, that's, that's where I, you know, you, I'm all for speculating that in the future, Bitcoin's going to be widely used as money. Um, but I'd like to see that wide use as money, not just wide use for, for hodling. Um, in terms of, of how do you, you know, why would someone spend it or, you know, if at this point in time or going up, um, you know, I, it was it was funny. It was um, Fred Wilson. He's a big shot investor. He's one of the investors in in our company. He he made a blog post saying he what did he say? At, at this point, you can't keep spending something that goes up as much as Bitcoin has. So I, I don't spend it anymore. I just hold it. Blah blah blah. And I kind of wrote a response to him, and I'm like, you know, you could pretty much make that same argument about um, you know a, any anything that you have. So like, um, what, what I think I used as an example was, um, you know, you could say, let's say you have $250 worth of Bitcoin and you could say, well, why would I go out and spend that $250 worth of Bitcoin on groceries? It, you know, would make no sense because Bitcoin's skyrocketing in value. But then my response would be, well, why spend $250 on groceries either if Bitcoin's skyrocketing in value? Because you could have easily just converted the two hundred fifty dollars to Bitcoin at a small, you know, at a small cost. So, you know, it's it's the question: Why spend any money when you have assets around you that are going up in value? And um, or or why you know spend any value that you've accumulated? And you know, the answer is that you know we have we have time preference, right? We have needs and wants in the present that we want to satisfy, and we're willing to you know, spend some of our money to satisfy those wants in the present, um, even if it means, you know, foregoing the possibility of a bigger return in the future. Um, so to me, you know, it's spending, let's say $250 on groceries is like the same as spending $250 worth of Bitcoin on groceries. In either case, it's an opportunity. I, I, I'm choosing to acquire groceries as opposed to increasing my stockpile of Bitcoin, right? Um, so I, 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 and I don't think that's an unreasonable choice. So when you, whenever you earn any income, uh, you know, a paycheck, you, you necessarily, you're going to put some money aside for savings. You're going to spend the rest and, you know, you, whatever, whether you save that in Bitcoin or something else, um, you know, I, I don't think you can like, uh, you know, say, well, I, I can't, I can't, you know, buy groceries this week because Bitcoin's going up in value. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I guess you could spend if you want to appeal to Thier's uh, law and say, "Well, I want to get rid of the thing that's less valuable, your dollars." Because I guess, I mean, if you bought if you bought it with Bitcoin and then just replaced the uh, 
the Bitcoin with the $250 worth of Bitcoin you spent by buying another $250. I mean, it really makes no difference. Yeah, I mean, I've spent quite a bit of Bitcoin over the years, but none of it, you know, was I have my Bitcoin that I save and then, you know, Bitcoin that I, you know, usually, uh, you know, if I get paid in Bitcoin, sometimes I'll spend that or save part of it, spend some of it. Um, and same thing with dollars. If I get paid in dollars, sometimes I, you know, spend part of it and save part of it, you know. Um, but it's that, that's just kind of the way I look at it. You have your spend money and then you have your saving money and the asset that you're actually spending is not particularly of great importance. Okay. Uh, Slappy, do you have any? Uh, I didn't. I don't want to dominate. Yeah, no. Go ahead. If you have uh, more questions, ask. I'm listening and taking it all in. <laughs> uh, no, that's kind of. If not, well, we appreciate your time, but yeah. we want to give you a chance to, um, for our free market success story, plug your uh, or tell us about Open Bazaar. And how that works? Yeah, so Open Bazaar is a um, it's an e-commerce platform, kind of a little bit like eBay, um, but it works as a peer-to-peer -peer application. So you can kind of think um, under the hood, it uh, it works a little bit more like BitTorrent or other peer-to-peer -peer applications. It technically, it uses uh, something called IPFS, which is kind of a souped-up BitTorrent type protocol. Um, and, you know, the goal is to allow people to buy and sell and trade whatever they want without uh, someone telling them, you know, no, they're not allowed to do that, right? Because there's plenty of items that people would like to sell on eBay that they're just simply not allowed to. Um, or, you know, governments don't want you to sell it for one right. reason or another. Um, and so this is, uh, you know, the goal of the pl platform is to have this kind of like free trade space on the internet where people can trade with each other and, um, you know, without anyone having any kind of say. It's a, a pretty big undertaking. It's um, in its current form. It's it's working reasonably well, um, but it's not, at, at this point, not completely like feature parity with, let's say, eBay or Etsy or something like this. And so that's kind of what we're, we're working on uh, getting towards. We're also kind of trying to get it on the web and on mobile devices and that sort of stuff. Awesome. Yeah, is that live? Like, can people use that now? Yeah, you can use it now. There's a, a desktop um, application um, that you can download from openbazaar.org. There is, if you go to openbazaar.com, there's a little, like, just web portal where you can kind of view stuff, but um, you can't, like, make any purchases or anything on openbazaar.com yet. Um, but that's something we're kind of working on. But it's, it's primarily right now a desktop application, and we're working on getting it on other platforms. Nice. That's awesome. We'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes page. Also, uh, where can people find you online if you want people to find you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can um, probably Twitter is, is probably the, the best place. It's just my name at Chris Pacia. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm around in uh, some Telegram groups on Reddit and on Facebook if people people dig for me. Awesome. Do you have anything else that uh, that kind of we didn't cover that you think is worth noting about uh, you know maximalism or Bitcoin or anything? Um, I don't know. I, I think that kind of covers the. Yeah, I th I think we mostly got it all. I know the 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 maximalists have a lot of very specific critiques of like let's say Bitcoin Cash right in particular, but I don't know I don't know if that necessarily. Uh, that's more of like a Bitcoin cash discussion, I guess, probably mm -hmm. rather than a pure maximalist thing. But yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. We, we, we know how those things go. Not that we couldn't have a, a, a fun <laughs> conversation there, but, uh, yeah. nah, yeah. I mean, we're, I think we're, we're kind of running at time anyway. Um, yeah, no, I thought that was great. And I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. That was, um, that was good. I learned a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so, quick wrap up show notes page again is mcflugel.com slash 112. We'll link to the article we were talking about uh, that Chris wrote, as well as uh, how to find him on Twitter and, and Open Bazaar. And uh, check out libertymugs.com. Uh, I'm, I think I'm finally going to put up that tractor mug that I uh, realized Ooh, I, I snuck it in. Yeah, I didn't forget. Snuck it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on the show notes page, uh, find us on all the podcatcher, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, we've got a, a YouTube if you prefer to listen to podcasts there. And uh, also check out uh, the uh, email newsletter. And if you sign up there, you'll get a discount over at libertymugs.com. So, uh, all right, Chris, again, thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, we'd love to have you on again sometime. Sure. Thanks for having me. Peace. Uh, I guess.